This is Sophia Cassiola. And this is Michael J. Epstein. Of Blood of the Trivets. And you're listening to... Without Your Head. Dun, dun, dun. Station of Decapitation Without Your Head. I'm Nasty Neal, and I'm joined by Sean Temple and Sarah Wisner, the creators of Water Horse. It's very cool to have you here. Thanks for having me. Thank us. you for having us. Yeah. Everybody know it's going to be at Boston Underground Film Festival this coming week, part of the homegrown horror block. Have uh, e- either of you uh, been to Buff before? No, this will be our first year, right? Yes, yeah, actually, we were in Boston for a while. Um, a few years ago, we both got our um, MFAs in Boston, but we actually never got around to the festival. I, I don't think I really heard about it until after we had left, unfortunately. Yeah, um, we would have been all about it, I think. Yeah, we're very excited about it. Yeah, yeah. Our, so this um, will be my. Se- I'm from Massachusetts. Only my second one, so I can't. Uh, I didn't know about it either till recently. Yeah, I think how I really found out about it is our our composer Mattia. Um, they composed for a film that was in it last year, um, ASL. Um, and that's kind of how we really found out about it. Yeah. So uh, yeah. what was the inspiration for, for writing it, Sarah, for writing Water Horse? Um, well, it was actually a nightmare that I had. Uh, oh, really? Oh. Which is not my <laughs> usual writing process, but it was just so um, vivid and visceral. I felt like it. I just had to write it down and, and kind of get it out of me a little bit. Um, so that's how it, how it started. Wow. So uh, is it, uh, is it very similar to the actual nightmare? Um, for the most part. Yeah. The, the major beats and images are, are all kind of the same. We did a little bit of tweaking just to, 
string it together better. Um, with uh, oh, it's not super plot driven, but we gave it a little bit more of a plot than than what was in my dream. Um, but one of one thing that was really important to us was to maintain the kind of nightmare feel yeah. of her dream. Um, mm-hmm. Most of our movies in the past have been far more reality based, and we we're definitely interested in in exploring something a little more surreal. Yeah. Now, are are your uh, are your other uh, things? Are they always uh, horror related? Uh, they're horror adjacent, if not horror related, sure. for the most part. Um, our last movie was uh, kind of post-apocalyptic story, um, mm. but it didn't really dive into the genre elements of that so much as the um, just attempting to survive um, without societal structures. Uh, but we've done like a vampire movie also, so right. we do both. All right. Is is this the first one you co-directed? Yes, this is um, the first film I've directed. I've previously just been writing and, and producing, and Sean's been directing, and so this is our first. What's that co-direct. process like to uh, to to uh, direct with someone else? Um, you know, a lot of it. The truth of the matter is, Sarah probably almost co-directed our other movies too because um, a lot of what our process was was in pre-production and just making sure we we're on the same page on like how we wanted the story to be told and like what kind of direction we wanted to give actors and stuff um, and we did almost all of our work in pre-production by the time we were on set we we're basically always on the same page and um, we didn't really have that many situations where we were like butting heads or anything um, just because we're, we're also this one Sarah wrote by herself, but we're also very involved in like collaborating in the writing process Mm -hmm. usually. So sometimes I'll come up with like some visual ideas and stuff like that, that get incorporated into Into the script. And we're just always kind of collaborating on every step of the process. So it made sense to continue that as directors this time. Um, Sarah before didn't, wasn't that interested in directing and kind of more, movies we made together and times she got on set, she started wanting to get even more part of that process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I almost felt like I wasn't, it wasn't because I studied screenwriting, directing wasn't really my realm. And and so I felt like I wasn't really allowed to, to tread over that line and, and finally just kind of having, giving myself permission to go there is, is what, let me do it. I think this time around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, as, as you want to mention Sophia to call. Yeah, well, we saw a film um, called Always Shine, directed by Sophia to call at um, IFF Boston, and she skyped in for a Q and A just to, and just hearing her talk about her process as a director, I was like, wait a second, I can do that. Um, uh-huh. So that was very inspiring, and and like Sean said, like we collaborate so much in pre-production that just kind of getting on the same page um, with that kind of open communication, once you're on set, it's, it's almost like one director with two heads and, and it becomes easier almost because you can um, like divide up tasks as needed. And if one person is feeling overwhelmed, the other person can step in and vice versa. And yeah, there's lots of times where like, one of us would go talk to the actors and the other one would go talk to this, our cinematographer and we were able to kind of do more quicker because of that, I feel like, as opposed yeah. to like having to 
stop, talk to the actors, then stop, talk to our camera team. And, and like, constantly check in with each other. We and it was never always the same here. person doing each one. We would switch depending on, like, whoever had a stronger um, opinion about one of the aspects of it. Mm-hmm. They would go and have that conversation. And I honestly don't know how well it would work if it was, um, if we were, if one of us was trying to collaborate with somebody else that we didn't know so well and didn't spend right. so much time with. Um, yeah, it would probably we are be also, much harder. We are also married. married. Right. Together, so. <laughs> yeah. all I'm sure to told people that off, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> how pers- it was the nightmare and then the, the short itself, Water Horse, uh, is there anything about it that's like personal to you that like, uh, you know, like the nightmare hit you so much, like it, it had something to do with your, your real life? Um, you know, I don't, it's, it's hard to say, right? Cause in theory, we are everyone in our dreams. Right. Um, so in the dream, I was this young mother and I don't have kids and I don't have experience with, you know, being responsible for a child, but in the dream, I I did. I was that woman, and I did have this child that was in danger, and and I had to do everything in my power to try and protect this this girl. Um, and the dream had an element of of trying to prove that I was worthy of caring for this child, and. And so maybe it's some underlying anxiety of, of someday I'll be a parent and, right. and someday I will have that responsibility. Um, but I don't right now. So no, I don't really know where that came from. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, think a, lot, a lot of it came really, from. Yeah, I was really stressed about um, child separation at, a, at the border, honestly. So I, <laughs> I think my dream kind of was incorporating those larger political fears into my personal experience. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, it, I think the movie this clearly deals a lot with anxiety as a parent, but also I think a lot of people can kind of recognize just anxiety in general that it's dealing with. Um, I know we both felt like that was a very personal story yeah. for us, kind of just diving into this anxiety of, in this case, it's a parenthood, but life in general a lot of our movies have dealt with like different types of anxiety and how it affects relationships and that's what, like what Astor and Sydney was all about was like the anxiety of this person that you didn't know and how you can to rely on a stranger and yeah. learn to trust someone so yeah this one is um it's about this um, unknown figure coming into yeah it's about the family. things that are outside of your control that are going to disrupt your family and and how are you going to cope with that the score really adds to that. It's very like uh, upsetting. The score and the, the sounds in it. Uh, who who did the score? The name is Patia Moray. Um, they're a composer. They're Boston based, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, they they've composed for us before, and they're always really talented. Yeah, I had met them in Boston right before I had started my MFA, um, and they their whole life is music and they always like um talk about how they just love creating anxiety um and that's like their whole goal with a lot of their music is just to put people in like a very anxious state and that's something we clearly wanted to do with the movie and we we definitely agree it it really helps i remember when we were sending 
um, rough cuts to people before we got the music. Mm-hmm. There's like there's people that were kind of getting it and liking it, and other people who weren't. And then like a lot of those people that weren't, once the music was brought on, they're like, oh, oh. we get it now. <laughs> and it yeah. was it was always going to be a very important part of the movie for us. Um, mm-hmm. We tried to be more open with our editing process this time than usual, and kind of realized that maybe we shouldn't be as early as we did this time and yeah. wait till it's a little closer. But before we show people, <laughs> um, yeah, they're a great composer. They did a great job on that movie so last year, too. Mm-hmm. It does have a dreamlike quality, too, when you're watching it, because it's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, there's no, no one really has any control of what's going on and the way it's cut and everything. Yeah. Yeah, I think basically every choice we made was to try and maintain that dreamlike lack of control kind of yeah. feeling and mm-hmm. anything could happen. And You don't know why it's happening, but you're going to try yeah. to live through it. Uh, where did you film it? Um, we filmed at a family property on Lake Champlain. In Vermont? In Vermont. Okay. Virginia, Vermont. Yeah. Um, that's where your neighbor actually took place. Yeah, yeah. We, um, I, The dream that I had was at this lake house that I um, would go to when I was a kid. We'd go pretty much every summer for a couple days. Um it's mostly rented out, but we reserve a couple of days for family every year. And it's, um, so I have fond memories there, but then the dream <laughs> took place there. And, and when we were, uh-huh. when we first wrote it and we were thinking about making it, we were like, well, it should be set on a lake. Where can we go to film it? And, and we were looking at all these different locations and we were looking at around Atlanta because we have film friends out there. And, and finally we realized that, it would be difficult to get a crew to Vermont, but that's what. That's where we wanted. That's, that's where, where it needed to be. That's like at the event, any plant time we looked at somewhere in Atlanta, we were always like, "This is this could be okay," but like it just kept kind of eating away at the back of our minds. Is like we we are from Vermont. We love making films in Vermont. There's something about New England that feels different than like Atlanta does. That's mm-hmm. I don't know. That's yeah. that's part of why we're so excited to be part of this like New England. Homegrown, yeah, short film program. Because it mm-hmm. also relates back to um, some mythology that Lake Champlain has. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this was a really big part of why we wanted to film it. Yeah, Lake Champlain has its own lake monster called Champ. So it's kind of like a local version of the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> right. I didn't know that. <laughs> so like, right here, yeah. yeah, the idea that there's kind of a sinister presence coming out of the water was. Because um, very much related to like local mythology, um, but Champ is a friendly monster usually. So it just <laughs> kind of turns it into a nightmare. Because um, water horses, they're and are like Kelpies. They're these Scottish folklore that I think we kind of brought into it after the fact, where we got the name for the movie mm-hmm. of um, these kind of creatures and Loch Ness shapeshifters that come out of the lakes and um, try to trick people into like getting on their backs and then they bring them into the water and drown them and they're usually trying to kidnap children and stuff like that mm-hmm. um so that became a very big influence on the story um i don't know how much of that was like with your dream or you kind of realized afterwards but... well i knew it's kind of as soon as i woke up as soon as i wrote it down that i wanted the title to be water horse because that's what that kind of monster figure represented to me just because I was familiar with the folklore. Right? Yeah. And Lake Champlain yeah, I've never, is I, such 
Sorry, go ahead. I was, I was just saying, I, I never heard of Waterhurst before. So I was going to ask you where the title came from. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's Scottish folklore. Gaelic mm-hmm. folklore. Um, yeah. And Lake Champlain is that great. It's a glacial lake, so it's got that deep, dark, serious water that was so important as well. And you really wanted a rocky beach. Yeah. And that was one thing we were having trouble finding other places. Yeah. Uh, you know, most of the violence that's in the movie takes place like off camera. It's done very well, but there is one scene I don't want to give away because it's only, uh, you know, it's short. But uh, yeah. where someone, I guess I'll just say someone falls, and that 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 looked very good. I don't know uh, uh, what was that like to shoot that particular scene. Um, that scene was the best to shoot. Oh. It was so awesome. Um, <laughs> sure, it was. It was. <laughs> well, it turned out awesome. Okay. Um, our stunt coordinator, Darren Bailey, is, he was also a producer on the film. Um, and the male lead. And the male lead. Um, and he came out with us from L.A. to work on the film with us. We really owe a lot to him. We couldn't have done it without him. Um, and he just kind of on the fly, um, we put our heads together, talked about what we wanted from the scene, and he just choreographed this altercation between these two bodies that, like you said, it, it's it's obscured. You don't see it super clearly. I think he's talking about the actual body fall. Are you talking about the fight? Oh, I was talking about the fight. I think he's talking about the, the fall. Oh, you're you, you, the both, of, both of them are done very well, though. Like, I like the one that's off camera. That looks great. And then, uh, yeah, but the, the actual body fall is pretty uh, is pretty great. Yeah, well, that, that's also all, all thanks to Darren as well. Um, that's kind of a, that was a, a was, that was very stressful. It was, it was a, yeah. so it was, that's why I said it. <laughs> um, it was always, as soon as Sarah had the dream and that happened in her dream, that was like the thing that... It was key. It was very important and scared us the most about the movie. And we were like, how are we going to do this? We do it? And our friend Darren is a stunt coordinator and we're like, will you fall off a... Will you do like a fall for a movie with us? Uh-huh. Um, and he's like, yeah. And then, and then he was like, what, what he are you was, walking, like three feet? And it got to the point <laughs> we were like, where we're like, no, more like 10 or 15. He's like, whoa. Uh, we, no. we don't, because then we'd have to like <laughs> dig out the ground and stuff. So we started having conversations about doing it with visual effects. Um, but what we ultimately did was um, Darren and our VFX guy, Brian, um, put together a dummy body of of Darren. Um, that was just a remarkable likeness. Yeah, it looks and, very good. Yeah, it, they they did such a good job on it, and then we um, dropped it off the porch. A bunch of times. A bunch of times. It still looked great. Yeah. So we always, we always knew we wanted to be from a distance, mm-hmm. from like her point of view. Different things that we thought would help just like actually look good, and then I mean, like one, we had to, we had to actually kind of edit around it because we wanted the shot to be like a long take of him dragging him and then like pulling him over and dropping it. But mm-hmm. we realized like the long, like the longer you stayed on him, the less real started feeling. So mm-hmm. we just started kind of intercutting it more than we had planned, and um, and then our visual effects person like helped kind of like stabilize the body in yeah, post, it so it flailed less and stuff, and sound mm-hmm. so the sound was really important, mm-hmm. and then. Um, Charlie, the main actress's reaction. I think so much of it's built around Her the tone we had around the actual body drop that helps it feel yeah. good. But it's definitely something we're very nervous about because it's, 
it's the key moment in the movie is when it turns. Yeah. 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 I think the, the sound, like you said, that all, it really came off great. Cause, uh, I thought it was a person. I was wondering how you do, how you did it. And cause you said mm-hmm. it was a dummy. It doesn't come off like, uh, like super Dave Osborne kind of thing, you know, like a, a very fake, you know, dummy falling or something. And, uh, cause it felt like there there was weight there. Like it, it would have been a real person. Yeah. They, they, um, they did a good job of, of weighing it down. And Darren, like in his team built like a, like a VC pipe, like skeleton. So it had like limbs and like joints and mm-hmm. like, yeah, it was articulated. And then we would add like sandbags inside of it. And like, they did a really great job with like the head and then there was kind of like costume choices, like we that character ended up having a hat so that we could like hide fake hair better and mm-hmm. stuff, kind of different things. We, I have a lot of choices we made for the movie were built around that moment, around selling that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Did you did you keep the uh, did you keep the dummy? He did, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think Darren oh, okay. has it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> he like brought it to Boston from LA and like suitcases. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He worked hard on it. Yeah. That was, yeah. I remember he wasn't very happy about how many times we were trying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or he was like scared the head would hit a rock or something. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what was it like to cast the movie? Um, it was actually fairly easy um, because Charlie, the female lead, we've worked with several times. Um, and we love working with her and she is, um, crucially for this piece, she's a very strong swimmer. Um, so that was helpful. She swam in college. Um, and then Darren, like I said, he's based out here in LA. We we met him out here and he was, um, someone I knew was interested in, in stunts and did that kind of work, um, which we also really needed for the film. And Mm -hmm. luckily he was excited to, help out and be a part of it um and then the the little girl the baby is actually the child of a high school classmate of mine a friend from back in the day um uh-huh. and she's just so adorable and and they were so I, they were so willing as a family to participate and and put the time in and and they were so i can't Working with a two-year-old is is not easy, but mm-hmm. she was like the easiest two-year-old you can imagine. That's so we easy. got really lucky with her. Yeah. Yeah, and we felt like with a two-year-old, they weren't going to find an actor anyway. So it was about finding a family that would be like very excited, excited and into the idea of their kid being in a mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. And then kind of anything that had the Lily in it was just we tried to simplify the filming as much as possible and. Well, like her and Charlie just play and just film it the best we could. Yeah, keep it as, mm-hmm. as relaxed and, and low key as we could. Even though we did some of the craziest like long takes in the movie with <laughs> 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 Because it was it was like we only had so much time with her, it was like easier to do long takes than like shoot coverage around her. And do a bunch of setups. She usually had like maybe thirty minutes of her like being okay with like hanging out and then she would like I'm done. <laughs> but hopefully they had a, a good weekend. Her brother came along and they camped out and so I hope she had fun on set. Yeah. So um has Waterhorse screened uh anywhere previously? Uh so they had the world premiere. Yep. 
Okay. Um, Very cool. At Basel, be the world premiere, and we we recently got into the Chattanooga Film Festival in Tennessee. That'll be in April. Oh, nice. um, most other places we're still waiting to hear from. Yeah, most of we have a lot of places to hear back from. So we'll <laughs> see what happens. Yeah. Festivals yeah. are they're hard things. <laughs> so excited to yeah. premiere in Boston because it's such a yeah. New England film. Yeah. So, uh, looking forward to that. Uh, since you haven't watched it with a, with an audience before, like, are you nervous about that? Are you excited, or <laughs> a combination of both? Well, we're really excited to screen at the Brattle. Like, that'll be uh-huh. the biggest screen any of our movies have played on, right? That we, that we were at. That we were at. Yeah, because our I thought Boston is a great festival. Um, and we love that festival very much. We've usually been in like one of the smaller screens in the Somerville. So I think that Brattle will be like the biggest theater that we've, yeah. we've played. And we're definitely, it's been a few years, maybe two years since we've played a movie with an audience. It's always, I think, pretty stressful for us. Yeah. 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 We're, we're always pretty nervous about it. Um, <laughs> and we usually feel better afterwards and stuff like that. But I don't think it's hit us yet. I think once we actually get into Boston, we'll probably start to get a little more yeah. nervous yeah. about it. But we're also very excited, excited to see how some moments play with people that that don't have, know what have to know expect. it. Yeah, because yeah. no, mm-hmm. yeah, most of the people who are going to see that movie will probably have no idea, no idea. like what it's going to be. So yeah, and so we'll see, so see how the scary moments work and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you've watched movies before at the Brattle? Like, not your own movies, but just movies in general? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we watched tons of movies at the Brattle. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. Uh, very cool old uh, theater. Has a lot of history there. and Good vibe to watch movies with, uh, you know, uh, like-minded people. Yeah, for sure. And definitely people that are, like, into horror. Yeah. yeah I'm excited yeah. to see some other films in our program. Yeah, and that's That'll be really cool. Um, yeah, yeah. Someone from my... I went to Emerson. Someone else from my program that was like a year or two below me has her movie in the program too. It's um, called Consumed by Sloan Turner. And some of the other people that are in the program have reached out to us and are excited. We're all excited to watch each other's movies and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely excited about the community aspects of it. Yeah. So um, what are your summer goals with making the shorts? Do you hope to sometime make a feature? Um. Yeah, for sure. We're—I I don't know that Water Horse would translate to a feature length, but we have other mm-hmm. feature ideas that we'd like to do. And we're out here in LA, and we're both working kind of industry-related jobs, and hopefully trying to make connections and and, and take those next steps and make our own things on the side. Yeah, and, and just keep making shorts because we have stories we want to tell. And yeah. so we're just going to keep telling them to the degree that we're financially able to. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It seems shorts have uh, become more popular over the last few years. And I think a lot of it is uh, the rise of festivals and also, I guess, people with shorter attention spans, too, because you don't have to okay. devote as much time. Or you could watch like an hour of them. And if one of them you don't like, you're like, well, in five minutes, I'll be seeing another one. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I suppose it's, you know, if it's an hour and a half. Yeah. Close to an hour and a half, you'll never get back. <laughs> right. No. So, um, what kind of movies or, or anything, uh, TV, whatever, uh, inspired both of you to, uh, to want to create stuff? 
that's a good question. Um, well, growing up, I was all about the exiles, so um, exploring the unknown. Um, it's always been an interest of mine. Um, I don't know. What What do you think? Oh, I mean, I was I always loved movies growing up. When I was a kid, I think like Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. Jaws, um, Godzilla, were like all these like monster movies that just like made me obsessed with film and I kind of just kept mm-hmm. growing as I got older um I think the ones that like really made me want to make movies were like in high school I saw Requiem for a Dream and Children of Men mm-hmm. um and those are kind of like really what kick-started it for me yeah. I think I started becoming more aware of like the art of making film and like what went into it as opposed to only the storytelling and since those movies had such technical like achievements that kind of drew me in and then they were also both also so emotional. Yeah. Um, Children of Men was a big one for me too because of the the world building component of it that uh-huh. it, it feels so lived in and real and close even though it's this near future situation that's that's totally mm-hmm. speculative. It, it it helped explore a lot of relevant questions to our time and that's something that I'm always really interested in is using like speculative storytelling to interrogate what we're going through now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah, anything that does that really does it for me. Yeah. I always think the best of genre films or TV uh, does that, you know, science fiction or, mm-hmm. uh, or horror. It's really talking about something yeah. that's happening today, but you know, another, um, did you start working together, uh, before or after, uh, you became a couple and get married? Um, I mean, after. After we met, but before we got married. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, we met, we were both um, grad students in, in film-related programs. Um, so we, we were always kind of interested in using film to tell stories. And so it was just very natural that we would start collaborating mm-hmm. on, on those projects. And for oh. you, it was like a chance for your, write, your writing I, actually get made. Yeah. I had made some shorts and stuff before because I had studied film in undergrad too and I had made movies by myself. Um, and Sarah had written it but never got to like really make mm-hmm. those in the movies. And... So I would write like little things that Sean would film for his classes and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I just kept getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> and then, um, okay. what was that? No, you go on. I actually didn't have any. I was just going to say, oh. and then we got married, moved to L.A., and we didn't actually get to make anything for a little while. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Just from, like, trying to get in or in the industry and stuff here, and then Water Horse was us being, like... We've got to make something. That was the first it's thing we had made cool. out of school, um, yeah. like, really on our own. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, where can people uh, follow Water Horse or anything you guys are doing, like, online? Um, our production company is Homebody Pictures and we have a, a Facebook page and a Twitter page. Yeah. Um I, mean, I don't actually you can also mention like our own Twitters and stuff. Oh yeah. The... We we also have our, our own personal Twitter Twitter accounts and, and Instagram. And Instagrams, all of those good things. Yeah. So we don't know We're those here. things off the top of our heads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Just search your names and find it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm Sarah J. Wisner, I think, on, on Twitter. I'm Sean underscore Temple on Twitter. Um, Sean, S-E-A-N. 
<laughs> um, yeah, and I'm Sarah with an H. I think our I think our homebody Twitter is like homebody picks mm-hmm. at homebody picks. Um, yeah, and then and we on Facebook you can on Facebook you can search homebody pictures and we should pop up. Mm-hmm. Can you see your previous uh, shorts anywhere? Yes, um, Aster and Sydney and Safe are both available on my Vimeo page. Um, Aster and Sydney is also at the Bureau of Creative Works. Yeah, it's a little harder to figure out how to watch through that site. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's easy to watch it through the Vimeo. Vimeo. Um, which you can search Sean Temple and Vimeo. Or um, if you find, like, the Water Horse teaser, you can go through my Vimeo and then go find it and stuff like that. Um, we can also, in theory, send it to you if you want to include it, like, on the like, site or anything. Yeah, yeah that'd be great. Yeah. I'd like to check it out, too. I really uh, dug Water Horse. It was very well made. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. There's only a few things I've seen. Uh huh. What was that? I'm sorry. I was saying Aston Sydney might be a little more boring. Yeah. <laughs> a little quieter, a little longer, a little slower. <laughs> well, there are there's some fights and stunts in that one too. But yeah. What were you saying about the shorts? You haven't seen that many yet, or? Yeah, I haven't seen much uh, at Buff at all yet. I do like to 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 see them for the first time, you know, in the theater. But uh, yeah. you know, for for different interviews and stuff, I have to, you know, it's best to watch them. So uh, I'm yeah. prepared for the interview. Yeah, but, uh, I think the I've only seen one feature. I think Clickbait, which uh, which is playing mm-hmm. Wednesday. That's that that's a very good movie. Yeah, we unfortunately won't be there yet for that one. Yeah, we're arriving mm-hmm. Friday morning. Yeah, yeah. Last year I went Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. This year I decided to go all five days. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, I want to thank you both for coming on, and I'm looking forward to seeing to seeing Waterhorse again on the big screen. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It's great talking. As well. well thanks. Mm-hmm.